regard me in the paint, I'm an artist See, I hustle on the flow, call me Rick Ross See the truth, get it, jumping like a tip-off I play hard till I hit a rep, blow the whistle I'm a player, but my game be so official Welcome back to another episode of The Hoop True, brought to you by Shooter's Touch. We're really excited tonight. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to try to get to as many games, um, both that happened this week and that are coming up this week, uh, that's ahead of us as we can. There's a lot to cover. We're, we're in the thick of it. We have some some really awesome matchups. Can't wait to get into it. I don't have my guy Adam with me tonight, so I can't get to him to see how things are going. He's actually uh, recording another podcast over, uh, over uh, his way, and so leave him to that but i do have the rest of the guys in the house um wild card weekend and it's been uh it's been wild how's uh how's everyone doing on this great evening doing great brian vikings I, fan we got a couple vikings fans i don't how are those guys doing not great not great i've, I've been better yeah i just want to know no one else feel a little cheated on with adam just uh choosing another podcast over us <laughs> that's like i mean that's a relationship killer right there uh we had, we had to divide and conquer tonight he he went the he went the other way so um you know he's got to get stuff done around here too so <laughs> but well let's jump uh jump right into it because like i said we got a lot to talk about here um we always tend to lead off with a little advice a little help for our coaches out there we know we got a lot of you guys listening and we appreciate it um i will lead by saying if there are any topics or anything that you would like us to run by our two expert coach coaches that we have on the pod with us reach out to us, let us know. We would gladly um, run some questions by these guys and see what they think. But uh, today we are going to build a little bit on last week. We kind of talked about late game situations, subs and using timeouts and in different situations. And so I want to expand a little bit on that tonight, guys, and, and talk specifically um, with your ATOs. So your after timeouts, your plays, given the situation, um, who is it? Is it something that you have prepared? for for your atos depending on what the situation is whether you need a three or two if uh you need to eat some clock before trying to attack the basket um you know what what do those look like and then how often or what does practice look like for those as well is this something where uh, i know we talked a little bit last week you guys are going over prepping you know you got a few really good ones that you keep in your back pocket and then you know things happen you got to adjust what what kind of adjustments can you make for you know, that uh, half court heave timeout, two seconds, you know, what are you drawing up? What are you looking like? Is that something too, from a staff standpoint that you ask your guys, if they see, see something that they like to make sure they have it in their notebook uh, for you guys to run over or possibly think about. And then ultimately, you know, is this something that every once in a while on the fly, you got to draw it up on the whiteboard or, or what is, what do, what do ATOs look like for you guys and how do you handle that process at the end of the game? Go ahead, Coach Betts. I'll go first. First of all, so, you know, kind of the coach that I played for and that I coached under was a guy named Doug Moody. And uh, Doug was a guy that uh, he had a play for everything. And so when I got into coaching, you know, you kind of follow the lead of the guy that you worked for that played for. And I, so I had a play sheet and my play sheet, my gosh, I mean, I look back at it now and I kind of laugh about how, how many different things and how many sets we had. And uh, that play sheet was kind of, it did get smaller throughout the years that I coached, but I, I had it broke down basically by, you know, wh whether it was a, a post up for a five, it was something to get a two, a three, something versus triangle and two box and one, you know, uh, it was all broke down two, three, one, three, one, have, you know, so every play was kind of what worked against 
what. Same thing with out of bounds, those kind of things. And so I always have that that play card. Now, sure, we went through a lot of those things in practice. Uh, but end of game situations, you know, if we call after a timeout, I always try to at least run a play that, you know, a good coach is probably going to on the other end of the bench is other side is going to come out in a different defense, you know, so I don't want to spend, you know, Hey, we're going to run this play and we get out and all of a sudden they just came out in a zone versus man. So my plays were always in, in those situations were typically something that would work either way versus man or zone. And so, you know, that's one thing, but, you know, out of bounds underneath, uh, 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 you know, side out three seconds left. We, you know, we would go through those things probably more often closer, you know, to closer to the state tournament. Um, but we always, we always had time at the end of practice where we try to go through situations where it was, you know, end of quarter, uh, you know, you, however many practices you have in a week, if, if you can go through two to three, four situations a week, and then those kids build on it, build confidence through those situations. Uh, I think that's, what's critical is just, you know, instill those situations. So that no matter what they get there at the end of a game, they're like, well, we practiced this or something like it. Uh, so they feel comfortable. I agree with uh, pretty much everything Coach Betts said. Um, the one thing I would say is I think I got like age does there there is something that like you get wiser the or earlier or the older you get and the more experiences you get. And my advice to somebody is this is why be careful save some of your good stuff. You know both in that. Sometimes, you know, you might run stuff that like you need a bucket and you end up winning by 20 points and you ran in the first quarter you've shown like so if you have something you really like be patient and save it for something that um, maybe you can use late in a game or later in a season. And so I and, and I just think I guess um, that is a big part of coaching let the flow of the game dictate you don't need to be calling out stuff every time down let 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 kids play. And then at the end, see if by the end of the game, you can't help them get maybe eight, 10 points a game just for sure with really good out of bounds plays, mm -hmm. right? Ball's dead anyways. And then if you, if you want to go with a set off after a timeout, the other thing I really changed, so probably I, I almost remember when I did it probably 2008 ish was designating with my assistant coaches that I had one coach. And what was happening, I just had a lot of banter going on. And, and I liked that as a coach. I wanted your input. But, you know, you hear this a lot on college staffs now, basically assigning an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. So that way, um, we were just a little more pointed. It wasn't like it was four guys all given what they thought. I'd turn to my offensive guy and say, all right, what, what, what have we saved for now? Likely that the same thing that you didn't chat about, but a coach touched upon it. You got to really be careful. That's why I like to play as much as possible. Cause like, if you call a timeout at the end of the game and do some of that stuff, it really, to me, gives the defense more advantage than the offense uh, in those cases. But so I think taking away some of your control, giving some of the power to your assistant coaches and listening to them. And then also just be in page. I don't know if you guys ever have heard Fran for show. I, I always hear him saying this on a broadcast of save some of your stuff. So if you have stuff you like, don't run it all at the beginning of the year. Try and like slowly implement stuff. I got a funny story. If you got time for one, always. We're, playing, we're playing in the state tournament and this probably is 2010. And, uh, uh, the kid playing point guard for me that year is a kid named Michael Malloy. He ended up going to Iowa, played some football, ended up at UNI. And uh, Zach McCabe was on that team. And we're playing uh, Waverly Shell Rock. And we come down, and 
again, I, the older I got, I quit running as many plays, but you know, you can't teach an old dog, all the new tricks. I still want to run something. And of course I look at Andy Foster and we have this play, we called it box reverse. It was a, basically a, a play to the high post to get McCabe a back door when they overplayed low. And anyway, we'd, we hadn't run it in a month. And I, so I call Lloyd's dribbling up and I'm not going to waste the time out. I just said, Hey, let's run box reverse. And he dribbles and he says, coach, we ain't got no box reverse. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, us coaches were like, yeah, we do. We ran it. We ran it six weeks ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and so that's every time every time from then on i mean i see michael malloy in colorado and he'll, he'll say hey coach we ain't got no box reverse <laughs> you know what though so I, i'm pretty sure you're talking about 2011 coach bets because uh waverly beat us in the semis and it's okay a, yeah maybe it was 11 we were just talking about i don't I'm, I'm sure coach bets remembers this i don't know if the rest of you guys did well doug would remember because his nephew was playing as well um they threw an alley-oop lob and dunked it, Clint Carlson dunked it with two seconds left on the clock. We knew, we, so one of my, my defensive coordinator, I, like I could hear him yell, he's like, lob, like, cause we had scouted it, but they didn't I, run it all game. And they I was on the baseline, year, but he was really patient and they just sat out there confident as could be. But there's an example of, you know, don't run that in the first quarter and uh, so I think that's a fine example of what we um, what we're kind of talking about here. Yeah, exactly. One of the, that was one of the most incredible end of game plays I've ever seen by far. That was that was crazy. Yeah, you and me both, Mr. Deer. Um, that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Just to even execute it with five on O is hard. I mean, he threw it from about what thirty feet, and, and it was perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the key on those plays, too. Uh, they ran it all year. They, I mean, they were really good at it, but still to do that in that moment. The, the keeping those plays in the back pocket, especially the ones that you really like and not using them, those kids are just salivating for that time when you call uh, it. And they're like, we finally get to run that play. And, yeah, and yeah it's, it's, they, they look forward to it as well. So question for you guys. So we talked a little bit about whiteboards last week. When do you – bring out the whiteboard and why if you've practiced all these plays why do you need a whiteboard I, I, I still don't understand that like you think in 30 seconds 16 17 year olds are going to understand where to go in a heat of a moment I mean is it just to kind of review or like, um, if you haven't yeah, run I would practice? say you use it as a visual maybe a kid's a visual learner and so you just kind of point out the spots where they're supposed to start on the court I I hear where your argument is, honestly. And I was always terrible at drawing on the whiteboard. I was a better communicator talking. And so we, I would say, didn't use it that much, but I would think that would be the argument for it is just to give a kid a visual look at it, you know, just to remind them where they're supposed to be. I, per, I think there's a time and place, you know, a lot of times at the end of the game, you don't have your top five guys out there. Two guys have fouled out. Somebody's playing a different position. Those kind of situations might be good, you know, to, to reassure. Uh, same thing, you know, we were playing Assumption in uh, 2011, 2010. I don't know. I get them all mixed up. Semifinals. Remember Shane Gray's hit the floater to win the game. I do we had, remember that. We, we, had, we had Zach McCabe and four subs that had never played together because that's all everyone else had filed out. So, I mean, just to get guys in the right spot. But I, I agree, Doug. I think – um, I like the kids to communicate, look at looking at me, not looking at the whiteboard as much. 
Right, right. And hopefully I just, it's always a review and nothing new. Right, right. right. I, I was game on Friday, and the first time out of the game, I won't say the coach's name, grabs the clipboard. And I'm like, you're drawing up a play already the, a minute into the game? And maybe that's just how he always does it all yeah, the time, yeah. every time out. And that's, it was just kind of funny how we had just talked about it. And then here he goes and grabs his clipboard right away. But well, I think oh. the goal too, like we were saying, if you're a young coach or any coach and you're listening, just reflect on, do you need it? Like what, why, you know, is, or is it just, that's what people have always done. And so, you know, so reflect on that. Yeah. It feels like it might be a little bit of a clutch or a crutch for some people to uh-huh. just grab it and just kind of be like, ah, oh, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I've been in plenty of timeouts too, where it's taking the entire timeout for the coach to get the right initials of who's actually in the game on the board in the right place. And then <laughs> time to go coach. Wait, who, who's in, who do I got? Who's my fourth? Who's my fourth? And they're like, they write the wrong letter and then write the letter again and then erase it. And then by the time they get the fifth guy in place, the timeout's over. So it's like, well, that was, that was just really effective, but um, so no, that's good. I love, uh, I love that insight and being able to share a little bit about what you guys were able to do from a preparation standpoint and then in game. And obviously there all always becomes that time where uh, you can draw the best play in the world, but players got to go out there and make a play. And, and sometimes that's your best play, no matter what. Is hey, let's uh, let's give fifteen the ball and, and get the hell out of the way. So um, do what you can based on the situation. Go ahead, Doug. I'll say one more one more thing on this. Do you have a go to uh, sideline out of bounds play or a baseline out of bounds play? And the reason I ask is when Jake played for you, Chris, mm-hmm. you would always stick him about two feet from the hoop, and he'd always put his hands on the hit on his head. I, I I still don't know what that meant. He'd put his hands on his head and he'd just throw a little lob to him every time where he'd set a simple screen. And I'm like, that's the simplest play in basketball. And I was wondering, like, was that something obviously by design, but did you have like a go-to obviously baseline out of bounds? Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, yes, both baseline and uh, sideline. I think I would say definitely for us, every place. So a lot of people run it out of box sets we just always ran it with the guy right under, you know, maybe your most athletic guy or your biggest, we ran it with Bowen too, just cause he was so athletic that we'd put him right at the basket so that if, cause what happens is games slip it. They're not organized. And I, I was just at Pel- or Oskaloosa in Norwalk and Norwalk got it twice uh, on, on Friday at just the little tip in because sometimes though, I think what, what you really want to do is keep those as simple as possible. Like screen the screener is such yeah. an easy play but it's so hard to defend and kids get tired. That's the thing. And and you can sit and walk through it on Thursday night all you want, but it's hard to defend that on uh, Friday. So I think the simpler, the better personally, but that's just always the way I was. I would say, I say that the older I got as a coach, I spent more time on out of bounds under sets versus half court sets. than when I was early on, I was probably the opposite way Uh, because I think those out of bounds under sets, especially boy, if you can pick up, you know, eight to 10 points on out of bounds under, I mean, and especially you can, you can really, you know, and that's where you can scout and see where those little, you know, you know, where those little opportunities are to, to score again, um, some of your easiest baskets. I tell you what, I've coached uh, plenty of uh, teams short on talent and you just pray for that ball to go underneath out 
out of the baseline, and you're like, yeah, so okay, we're gonna get an opportunity to score here. Absolutely. Like we, <laughs> right? You sound like Coach Howard. He actually one time was begging me just to run under the basket and call timeout at the end of the game. He's like, why wouldn't we just run underneath there and call timeout? Call timeout, because we want to take it uh, underneath the hoop. Those are our best plays that we have. So absolutely. But what do you see happen all the time? Half the time during the game, what happens? They throw it way over the top. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just and then half the time it, it gets yeah. picked off. I'm like, buddy, just throw it. You got a free pass. Are you guys trying to score every time underneath the hoop? Absolutely. Well, I think it just kind of depends. You know, end of the game, we might want to just <laughs> yeah, I, run the clock. You, what did you say, happens. Larson? You're trying to score? I said every time. But I, he's saying if it's the end of the game, maybe you're just trying to, you know, to get it in. But, no, I, I mean, I – I think it's an awesome, like he, like coach Betts said, though, we used to always say, if we can manage to get a few extra possessions with managing the clock correctly and then the quarters, and if we can win by six to eight points, the, the OB plays, think about that. That, that means you, you, they have to beat you by 12 in order to beat you. And I just think sometimes people get lost. That's where good teams become great and average teams become good. No, it's always, Doug, to your point, it's always interesting when you see people almost waste that opportunity with the ball so close to the hoop that it's like, ah, what are we doing? Like, you shouldn't be trying to score out of that. But, well, good, guys. No, that's uh, that's good. Good insight. I appreciate that. Um, let's transition to to rankings. Obviously, with three of you guys here um, on committees, two on 3A, one on 2A, um, what, what are we learning a little bit further further into this process? Uh, how's the, how's the homework coming from a game watching aspect? What's, what's a little bit, have you, have you guys settled into, uh, your team's philosophy? Uh, we'll call them a team, your guys' committee. Um, and, and what do we see? Obviously rankings will be out by the time this comes out. So whatever, whatever insight and information you guys have, let's, let's hear from the ranking committee. You better let Northwest Iowa start, you know, because, uh, Tom might need, might need yeah. to start. Yeah, I'll go first. I don't want to make anybody mad. Well, I will tell you this because, you know, I, I, since I do represent the entire state for Northwest Iowa, including my friend, Raz Vanderloo. Uh, hey, he, Raz okay. needs some respect. Yeah. He needs, someone he needs to a, watch is, his games. Come on. I'm, I'm going to say Raz Dangerfield. <laughs> no respect. Anyway, um, so, you know, his son, Tyler is one of our biggest fans. So shout out to Tyler. That's one, my first shout out of the night, Tyler Vanderloo. There you go. Anyway, um, I tell you what, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, it's been work. Um, and when I say work, it's fun work because, you know, we're going to games, uh, we're getting online watching. We are, I mean, I'm on varsity bound checking scores. I'm sure Chris is doing the same things. I'm sure Tony's, well, Tony's the, the guru. He's the savant. Uh, but we are, uh, we're doing as much homework as we can. There's so many things that go into it. You know, obviously strength of schedule. We're looking at, you know, different ranking groups. Sure. We're looking at BC more. We're looking at, uh, uh, you know, upcoming games, you know, point differential in games, how bad did X beat Y. And, uh, then, you know, things that have come up this last week, you know, injuries, some injuries that have, have affected games. And, uh, you know, do you take those into account? Are they season ending injuries? Is it a one, two game deal? Uh, there's just so many things that go into it, but there's a lot of great conversation. And I think we're doing the best we can to make sure that uh, again, the, the goal is, is at the end of the season to make sure that the, the eight best teams 
are ranked in the eight top spots. And I would add to that, Brian, you know, and this was a discussion we had earlier, and I know a discussion that we had in the meet. I don't think that necessarily means the goal is to pick the eight teams to make the state tournament. That means you reward the teams that had the best year by giving them a fair chance to make it. But, you know, one thing we were just talking about is in the NCAA tournament, it's only happened one time where all four number one seeds made the final four. That doesn't mean those teams deserve to be a number one seed. It just means it's basketball. And that that's what a basketball tournament's all about. So I, I guess for me, that that's the fun of this though, is I'm not like going to be insulted if our, you know, if somebody who's unranked makes a great run, awesome. Good for them. Like, that, but what we are trying to do is give educated um, feedback to, to the state association. And they're, they're doing a good job of obviously doing what they've always done and keeping an eye on things. But I think regionally, we're all trying to just, just uh, give credit to the best years right now. Um, and we do have a lot of talk also about teams that we know are maybe even better than their records right now. But um, some of that has to also just be played out on the floor, right? You gotta, you gotta go play, and you gotta win games, and you and you gotta be good every every week and every night. It's it's been a it's been a fun experience so far, just kind of getting to see more teams around the state that I wouldn't normally get to see. Um, you know, we were talking earlier in our text thread. Uh, Doug had asked, you know, how many teams we see. Um, there's 96 2A teams, and I've seen about 40 of them either in person or or watching on streams or huddle, which is which is more than the relevant teams for our for our rankings meeting. So it's it's nice to just get a good grasp on what's going on around the state, um, even more so than I than I previously had been. Great, that's good insight too, and I think hopefully give us continued guidance. And this is something that's going to be ever changing. Obviously, by the time this comes out, new rankings will be out, things will change, and we're going to get to games of the week. Guess what? They're going to change again by next week. And so by the time we get closer to, to that March, um, well, even end of middle to end of February, things are going to look worldly different. And that uh, is when it gets really fun and exciting. So we'll definitely keep a finger and a pulse on that and see how everything continues to develop. But uh, go ahead, Larson. Can I add just one, one thing? I, I, I told you guys this already, but I wanted to share with it. You know, hopefully there's other coaches, but I talked to a couple coaches this week who added how nice it is that they don't have the stress of having that coaches meeting to have to sift through all this because it is a challenging process. And it's not that, you know, that anybody, but you do look at it from your own lens a little bit, but that was something nice to hear that it was a stressor lifted from some coaches too. So they didn't have to worry. Um, I don't know. I just think that that's important to remember. And this is kind of what we said. Our goal on the podcast was last year too hopefully it's going to make for more fun basketball because everyone's put a little more thought into this of, of who is good team, who's been ranked, who isn't. I, I just think it make, gives more purposefulness to the tournament come March. And I'll add something too. I think all this is just, like I said, creating more excitement. Uh, I, I talked to an official, state tournament official that I've known for a long time, who's, uh, you know, he, they're following the rankings now. And he knows, you know, who's kind of on the committees. He says, you know, he says, I've seen, and I won't mention the two teams, but two of the teams in our top five and three A. And he says, well, I tell you what, I've you know, they're from different sides, you know, different regions. And he says, that would be a battle. That would be a battle. So, you know, it kind of, you know, you always wonder, are we, you know, are we doing the right thing? And 
And uh, so it's got a lot of people talking, even officials are, are looking at these things. Yeah, it definitely creates more excitement, more buzz around the the rankings. And when they come out, makes it more fun for the programs and for everybody that uh, is in love with this game. And so I definitely, definitely been a good thing. And like I said, I'm, I'm excited and anxious to see how it continues to change as we move through and really start to get on the 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 second time around with a lot of these league play and um, starting to match up with some of these teams in your league or that possible matchups come come districts and sub states too and so a lot of fun there with that uh let's try to let's try to pinpoint some game of the week from each of you we're gonna we i got a, another category below this where all the other games because there's no way um that we can sit here and only talk about four or five games because there's so many big games this past week but as we always do we we kind of have ones for whatever reason it doesn't it isn't always number one versus number two but we have games that we like that we saw that we enjoyed and so um let's go through game of the week and then let's after that we'll touch on all the other ones that we didn't pick for our game of the week we'll go in order on my screen so doug i'm gonna start with you um What'd you have? What'd you see? What'd you like um, as your game of the week this past week? Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily have a game of the week. Um, I think I have a team of the week. Um, last week, I brought up AHSTW, which no one knew uh, who that was. But my team this week is the Baxter Bolts. They are about 10 miles north of Newton, and uh, they're 12 Doug, and 1. Doug, so, did you say the Backstreet Boys? I close, <laughs> very close. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Baxter Bolts, Tommy. Okay. Bolts, let's go. Um, they're 12 and one. Their only loss is to Dunkerton. And I think Dunkerton's really good, right, Tony? They are. Yep. Yeah, they got a good yep. team. And I think they lost by 14 to them. So solid 1A school, um, coached by Zach Hasselbrink. Um, Carson Scrogan's their leading scorer, averages about 20 um seniors juniors on the squad besides that loss their average win margin is 38 points Ooh. so i'm like that's they're blowing teams out basically besides dunkerton who's really really good so keep an eye out on your baxter bolts not backstreet boys <laughs> the baxter bulls uh team color are they purple Bolts. They are yes, purple. Like lightning bolts. Yeah, lightning bolts. Yeah. Gotcha. Good deal. Uh, Chris, what do you got for us? Yeah, last week uh, we talked about this a lot. Huge matchup uh, of uh, two really good smaller school teams uh, in Grandview. Uh, Christian was able to run away from uh, from Roland's story a little bit. Uh, Grandview Christian, uh, I, I really like what they're doing though this year in terms of bulking up their schedule. I, I I don't know this like firsthand. I have not talked to. Oh shoot, it just slipped my mind. I, the coach he had a couple good players, uh, good sons as players. Why am I not thinking of his name? Sorry, but uh, I don't know if that their coach did it intentionally. But playing these tough games, I think, will make them a little more battle tested when they get to the state tournament and the semifinals and finals in particular. And uh, if you know, really good role in story team. Um, I watched that game on Thursday and uh, just uh, I was impressed with both teams but the length Grandview it'll be fun to see how they do they play a couple bigger schools coming up um, and I'm just interested their length is significant I mean it's it's big time so uh, 
that was that was my big game of the week. I, I also checked out. Uh, I saw a great game in Newton. Newton played Norwalk this week, and uh, um, it was just really high level uh, basketball. Uh, I really like what Coach Carter is doing at Norwalk or at, at Newton. And uh, I should also give a shout out to Coach Belzer and his gang. He has uh, Norwalk really playing well too. I at some point we'll get into this discussion with all three of those little Hawkeye schools coming into 4A. It's kind of has an interesting shift into the four. Yeah, no, that's is, it'll be interesting to see, especially once you start looking at postseason matchups and where those guys will will fall in. Um, we'll have to further break down. Well, and and I should have brought up too. I also watched Saturday, um, Indianola, who has won a couple last second shots, but they lost uh, um, on on a a three-pointer with under five seconds left this time to um, obviously a very talented Waukee team who, who I was a little thinking, you know, might come in a little ornery after Friday night, but uh, Indianola again, still minus Drew Kingery gave them all that they could handle. So I, I feel like they're really setting themselves up for a, a good run down the stretch as well. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that one up too, because I wanted to, that's in my other section to bring to bring that one up without Kingery to be able to hang there with Waukee. Um, that will be interesting to see what they're able to do and when he's able to get back. You mentioned kind of take into, into account some of these injuries and how long some of these players might be out for. So, all right, Tony, how was, uh, how was your big day? Wells Fargo up in Cedar Rapids, correct? Uh, yep. what, did, what did you see? What'd you like? Yeah. So up at co yesterday for seven games, uh, good mix of, of one, a through four, a schools there. Uh, the big standout for me was Albernet, um, blew out Cascade. That was a Cascade team that had been playing really, really well. Um, Albernet jumped out on them 20 to two in the first four minutes and then just kind of coasted the rest of the way. Um, good two a team. They're really quick physical, um, and they share the ball really well. I had them for 20 assists on 25 made field goals. Um, and they just kind of, kind of shredded apart that Cascade two, three zone that they always play, um, team with a lot of shooting and uh, they're going to be dangerous and into a postseason play um and the other the other big takeaway for me was dunkerton uh who doug just mentioned uh they were playing without their their all-state point guard casey gardner who uh leads the state in assists um injured his shoulder in their game on friday night so they played without him yesterday um took them a little while to get going um but they used a, a 21 to five third quarter to kind of open things up against a pretty good central city team. Um, so we'll see if, if Casey's able to get back on the court. Um, but, it, and if he is um, having, having him out for these couple games might actually be beneficial for them, you know, just get kids some more experience and in, in different positions on the floor against a schedule that they should be able to navigate here for, for at least a little while without him. Good. And then, cause how many games total was played? Uh, seven games yesterday. Seven games. Wow. That was all played at Co. Or how did yep. they do that? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's a full day, but uh, definitely, definitely a good opportunity for those teams to get get out and play, or um, diehard fans to catch two or three games a day, or Tony Rowe to go and catch all seven um, and really kind of get his <laughs> fill. So, Tom, what do you got for us? What did you see this past week? Well, my game of the week, I'm going to give to Sioux Central. Rebels, Sioux Central Rebels, eleven and zero, coached by Stephen Jaden, and uh, they beat uh, they gave Newell Fonda their first loss of the year at Newell Fonda, which is a tough place to go in and win. 
Uh, they've got a really nice player, Jacob Hargens. He is a 6'3", 6'4", strong, athletic, bouncy kid. He's uh, seventh in the state in scoring, 27 points a game. And uh, he's going to Dort. But uh, my, uh, my Northwest Iowa guru, Kylie Yates, told me that I, he, the kid didn't play football this year to focus on basketball. But apparently Iowa State even tried to come in and talk him into going to Iowa State and walking on the football. Wow. Uh, and so that's, I think that was a great win. Uh, Coach Jaden's got a, a good, some good things going on. And then uh, my other kind of game of the week was uh, Heelan had a big week. And, but it kind of went south early as their top player, Matt uh, Knoll, had a, got a concussion on Monday and had to miss two games. Uh, Crusaders did not handle Sergeant Bluff uh, on Tuesday uh, without Noel. They were kind of, I think, for the first game, were, you know, lost without him. But they came back on Friday against Council Bluff's Abraham Lincoln uh, without Matt Noel and, and got a three-point victory over the Lynx, which was a big win for him. Because, uh, you know, ALs, uh, again, they're big and strong. They, they've still got a lot of kids back from uh, – uh, the Josh Dix days. And so that was a, those are probably my two games of the week. And then what about the Kemper game? How did things shake out there? Well, the Crusaders took care of Kemper pretty, pretty easily. Now in all defense, Noel was back for Heelan on Saturday. And then uh, some bad news for Kemper there. Uh, and I can't, I don't know the kid's name, but they're, they're big man. Um, I think flipped and uh, hit his head and f- had a real scary moment on Friday. And so uh, he could not play, but uh uh, the Crusaders took care of Kemper. I think that game was over at halftime. Uh, I'm just kidding, Doug. I think, but uh, <laughs> um, they, 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 I think they, they won that Saturday by uh, 18. Okay. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll go forward later. Okay. And then another one that I have here noted uh, under the Tom column is Humboldt got a big win over Clear Lake. Did you see that one as well? I did. And so, and then there's another, you know, this week, the big game is Webster city clear Lake. So those three, and, that's a, that's a big one coming up this week as well. And so one, one thing Are to note about fill out the sheet. What's that? <laughs> what's that? Well, the sheet, we got to fill out the sheet. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that uh, the Webster city clear Lake game too. One thing to note with that one. So that's at uh, Jeff Jim in Webster city which is Webster city's old gym. There's something with, they have a new, uh, a new auxiliary gym that they've built on. I, it's probably four or five years old now, but it's old Jeff gym, which would have been where I would have played back in high school is was very old. And it has like the balcony that kind of hangs over the top. And if there's six people in there, it's, it's loud as can be. So you put those two teams back in that gym it's going to be, I think that game's Tuesday. So yeah. hopefully I'm not stealing someone's game of the week looking forward, but um, sorry, sorry, Larson. Sorry, Tom, if you did, but uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, what else do I have here? Foul. I think that's the thing to do, right? Like, foul. That's a T right there on, on me for not, uh, not looking at your guys' sheet, but uh, Tony Cedar Rapids, Washington beat, senior Dubuque senior this um past week and senior was undefeated right you know anything about either one of those two yeah they were they were undefeated going into that one and I think Wash had a 21 to 4 fourth quarter I believe um Wash is a team that I that I had just inside the top 10 coming into the year so they've kind of underperformed a little bit this year but there's there's a lot of talent there um so so maybe that win over senior starts to get them going here yeah that was uh one that I caught too and then 
Um, a couple ones over moving towards Eastern Iowa, but uh, Grundy Grundy Center beat Gladbrook Rhinebeck. Uh, that was a big win for them. And then Wapsie beat Jessup, right, Tony? And does that did you see that one as well? I didn't um, see any of that one. No. Okay. That, that's a that's a nice win for Wapsie though. Yeah, that's a good one for Wapsie Valley. And then the two big ones here in Central Iowa was um, Ankeny beating yeah. Waukee. Uh, any idea on that one? That one we we talked a little bit in our text chat. Like, how how does that happen? I guess. Um, any any updates or anything further on that, Tony? Did you get any further? Or Chris, did you see anything? Well, all I'll tell you is Ankeny. Um, remember when? Um, Peyton Sanford and um, uh, DeVries were at Waukee. Ankeny that year gave them all that. They kind of gave them fits too. So there's a little something matchup wise. Um, and, you know, Ankeny's got a couple good, that part's a really good player. And they got a couple other good players. Um, and that's the great thing. I don't think people understand too. You got to bring it every night. Like there are so many skilled basketball players out there and, um, it's just funny how that works. Uh, you know, I, I live this a little bit, you know, not the same type of player, but with, with Bowen, when people get a chance to go play against Omaha right now, right, they're going to be excited to get the opportunity and typically back gym. And um, so it, it's going to make Waukee better in the end. But I, I will tell you, every single team has a, you know, in that conference, everyone has a quality team. Um you know, kudos to them. They obviously came out and then executed their game plan and uh, good job. And that's what, that's what we all love about basketball, right? It is. And then I, who's to say that there was any, maybe I would hope that they weren't looking past because obviously they had the big Indianola game on Saturday in which they responded and got the win, but always, always fun when you have these little shakeups. And the, the other one was uh, Waukee Northwest getting beat by Valley. And so yep. that was that was another one, too, that I mean, Valley, a, a very good team, but a little bit surprised to, to see Northwest go down. I think that that would go the same thing as what I just talked about. And we should we should give credit both not only to to obviously Brant and to BJ, who are both state championship coaches, right Two two teams who have won state or two guys who have won state titles as head coach, but also. They have a lot of experience on their staff and, you know, their scouting is always going to be top notch. And, um, you know, some of those things that we talked about earlier, they're just putting into play. And so kids, yes, players, players matter, but you know, there's that part of, of the program that you're going to have to make sure if you're going to play either of those teams, you better be ready to play. You know, they're going to be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And then Northwestern around Saturday uh, went to city high. And so, um, Stanford dropped a 40 ball on those guys. Did you get anything from that, Tony, or see anything with them? No, it sounds like Stanford just kind of went crazy against City. Uh I knowing City's roster, they just they wouldn't have the type of kid who could who could stay with Price. Um, but they City had been playing well. They had a, a recent win over Xavier. They beat West High last week. Um, so that's that's not an easy win for for Northwest to go on the road um, after playing Friday night and going there Saturday afternoon. So that's a nice win for them. Yeah, that was that certainly was, and and I know that um, <laughs> Hawkeye fans were excited to get a chance to see Sanford, and he he obviously showed out um, with that performance as well, and so. One other, so on the girls' side from last week that I brought up was the Northland Regina 
um, game, and that got ugly, and Northland ran away and just absolutely blew them out by 20. So Northland um, is a team to definitely keep an eye on. Seems to be extremely talented team over on that side of the state, and once we get to our games this week, they may or may not come up, and so I'll, I'll wait on that. Um, but I think that's all I have hey, noted. Brian, yeah. On the girls' side, Johnston and Waterloo West kind of on a crash course. Would you, is that true? Yeah. They, yeah. I would say it's that. Be, I mean, hopefully, that would be an amazing game, right? Yeah, it would be. It, it would be. Um, it's, it would obviously what we were kind of hoping last year would us be a good game too, but it didn't work out that way in the yeah. championship just because the styles are so different. And so I'll be interested to see because West is going to kind of slow you down and, and pound it inside where, you know, Johnson gets up and goes. And so it'll be interesting to see, but I, they are definitely, those two are separated from the rest of the pack. One other girl's note. And I know, um, I think, I think he maybe tweeted at us. So, so I'm thinking he's interested or listens sometimes. Coach Jones over at DCG has the number one ranked te girls team. And uh, a lot of us know him. He has really good boy players, um, was a great player up at Buena Vista. And uh, he, is, he, he does a, a super job with those girls over there. And I, I think uh, there's some really great um, girls teams in central Iowa too. Well, they're I, really good. I saw him on yeah, Friday. Really Pella hung with him for as best they could, but he's he's got those girls playing. Yep. Well, now, now you guys are looking off my sheet because I have DCG versus Ankeny this week on Tuesday ah, as, as, as one of my, <laughs> one of my games to keep a, keep a lookout for. So yeah, no, they've, they've, uh, have done a really nice job in, um, over there at DCG and, uh, nothing's changed this year. They're, they're a yeah. really good team. So I'll be anxious to see how things sort out for them. Tom, I gave you a little bit of assignments to take a look at the War Eagle Conference for us and try to understand or get a get a pulse a little bit on what's what's going on up that way. What'd you find out for us? Well, I found out that um, it is just solid. I talked to uh, a couple of coaches. And they said there's no nights off. Uh, St. Mary's had a tough loss, but they uh, they are down two players. Rims and St. Mary's is down their their top score. Schrader kid uh, had sprained his ankle. Um, he's been out for two games. Uh, where they, they lost to uh, um, Alex Schrader. Yeah, he's, he was out. And then they've got a postman who was a sixth man. He's out for the season. So that'll, that'll hurt him a little bit. But they did lose um, to, uh, to Galen. Uh, but then, you know, Galen loses to Unity. Unity Christian loses to West Sioux. So it's, uh, it's a really tough never-a-night-off conference down there. But uh, uh, I, I'm still thinking that uh, by the end of the season, Rems and St. Mary's will be the team to beat in the, in the War Eagle. That's good. No, we, uh, we appreciate you diving into a little bit of that. As I sent that assignment over to you, I was looking at the top half of that conference. It, it makes sense because they were all kind of sitting there eight and two, seven yeah. and three, nine and two, 10 and one. I mean, and so, and the games were competitive, even when, you know, you, you take a unity Christian who was 500, but they were in two, three point games. And so yeah. interesting to see uh, what they have going over there. Um, Hartley Melvin Sanborn, another good team up there. They got two things, two D1 football recruits, big old boys. And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's a tough league. That's, that's good. And that'd be fun to keep an eye on here as we continue to move through January. Um, Tony, we got a new segment for you. We're, we're calling this the Monocle Minute um, because it already has its own emoji. So when we tweet this out, we can do it. But um, 
What's a, a, a kid that you've seen that's flying maybe a little under the radar, a kid to keep an eye on um, that you've seen so far this year that, uh, you know, excites you a little bit for the future? Yeah, so this first week, let's go with uh, junior wing from North Scott, uh, Kavon Phillips. He's a six-seven wing who's averaging 15 and a half, eight and a half rebounds, uh, a couple assists, a couple blocks a game. And uh, he's just a, a really athletic kid who's who's starting to kind of come into his own here. Um, has always had some potential. And I, I know that the the North Scott and the Barnstormers coaches are both very high on him uh, and his long-term potential. And he's it looks like he's starting to kind of put it all together now. So he's a, a kid that college coaches are definitely going to be wanting to keep an eye on uh, in this upcoming 17U summer for him. Good. Good deal. Well, that uh, is a good one to start out with. And so let's... Brian, let's... do you know uh, North Scott's new coach this year? Coach McLaughlin, Dave McLaughlin is, uh, you know, his son was the uh, quarterback to for your alma mater, Niall McLaughlin, who led him to the, to the national semifinals. Yeah, really. That so that's at North Scott. He is the new coach. He was Seamus Buddy's assistant for a long time, and now he is the head coach at North Scott. Really? Yep. Little yeah. fun fact for you. Fun, fun fact, right there. I like that. Let's turn to what we're looking forward to this week. Uh, game of the week. What do you guys have circled on your calendar that you want to make sure that you, you get an opportunity to watch, see, and check in on? Going all the way back up to Doug, starting with you. I know you you brought up, um, you know, keeping an eye on what Baxter's got going on, but uh, what do you got circled specifically for this week? Uh, I actually have a very interesting game Saturday. My alma mater, school I went to high school, Kemper, plays Pella on Saturday. So I think Gilbert has maybe a little classic going on up there. <laughs> nice Tommy <laughs> so uh that'll be interesting Kemper versus Pella Kemper's has, is having a really good year Pella's a little down but uh anytime you play the Dutch it's gonna be a tough game so I'm actually really really curious how that's gonna go so um the Kemper Knights and the Pella Dutch on Saturday at who are you rooting for excuse me what who are you rooting for <laughs> it's gonna be a really good game I know that oh. <laughs> Good, good answer. Uh, I, good. I know all those. I know all the kids on both teams. Know both coaches really well. So, um, best of luck to both teams. There you go. Good answer. Nice try, right. Larson. Nice try, Larson. <laughs> he's got the. He's got green on tonight. If anybody's really wondering what mm -hmm. the deal is, so Larson, what uh, what are you looking forward to? What do you got circled for your all game right, of the week? Let's go first on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, I am looking forward to uh, a couple ranked 3A teams that I feel like get lost a little bit just because of our location. But um, I'm going to be keeping a really close eye on it, actually. Um, God, you, you had me kind of interested in, in making the trip up to Webster City. I might, I might have to. I'm not guaranteeing it, but Norwalk is off that night, and it just sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. But Clear Lake is at Webster City. Um, Webster City obviously still undefeated, and Clear Lake uh, is sitting at eight and one. Um, so little jo jockey in to see who can kind of. Uh, I mean, those two in Humboldt, they're they're kind of three teams that are are making their way in that uh, middle part of the state, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that game uh, on Tuesday. 
That is a good one. Yeah. Cause like you said, now all of a sudden clear Lake beats Buster city. Now you have a three-way tie um, yeah. in that. And so it'll be interesting to see how that looks like. And Jeff, Jim, uh, Jeff, Jim would be worth the trip up to. Okay. That is a interesting place. That's for sure. So um, if you're really Jones and need, need an opportunity to go up, I would, I would recommend it. Uh, Tony, what do you got game of the week this week? So before I get going here, the, that thing at Gilbert on Saturday has a couple other big games too. Uh, Carroll plays Roland Story. Uh, Dallas Center Grimes actually against Grandview Christian should be a, a yeah. good litmus test there for the Thunder. Um, but for, for over here on the eastern side of the state on Tuesday night, we've got uh, Cedar Rapids Kennedy going up to Dubuque Senior for a big one in the MVC. Um, lost a little bit of its luster with seniors lost to Washington the other night, but uh a one loss senior team and Kennedy will probably be the new number one team in four a um, after Waukee and Northwest both lost last week. Uh, so that that'll be a big one in the MVC, probably the last real chance for Kennedy to, to lose a game here in the MVC uh, during the regular season. Then on Friday, there's a, a good small school game, uh, Albernet traveling up to North Lynn um, good rivalry game there. Uh, Northland handed Albernet their only loss this year back in December, a two-point game. So the Pirates will be looking to to end a very long winning streak that Northland Northland has going. All right, Tom, what do you uh what do you got up your neck of the woods? Well, we're starting off tomorrow night. Uh East Healing Girls rematch. Uh two ranked teams. And uh if you guys remember the earlier this season, the Lady Crusaders had a 19-point lead against East. East came back and won that game. And so that's uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Tuesday night, the boys follow up, East Healing boys. And uh, so longtime rivals, that, that's going to be a great uh, Monday and Tuesday. And then uh, up north this week is Central Lion MOC. Uh, so two, the top-ranked uh, 2A team and uh, one of the top-ranked 3A teams. Central Lion beat MOC earlier this season at MOC. Uh, so I'm sure Coach DeYoung's in looking for a little revenge. So it's a couple of good games. Yeah. So what's why the Monday, Tuesday with the girl, do they split those up? Do you know? I don't know why they did. We, because normally we play a, a girl boy doubleheader. Uh, I'm not sure why they did that this week, but uh, yeah. So the girls are playing tomorrow and boys Tuesday. Yeah. That's interesting. And so I'll just start with mine too, because I have a, a, a bunch of girls games here that I want to run down, but that was the first one on my list too, is that healing versus East game on Monday. Yeah. Um, so I'll be anxious to see what you think of that and how that matchup turns out. And so also Monday, so tomorrow, um, Newell Fonda plays the number two team in, in 1A, plays um, Esperville Lincoln Central on the girls' side, um, who's the number one team in 3A. And so that'll be that'll be a good matchup tomorrow. Um, Tuesday, we mentioned Dallas Center Grimes versus Ankeny. That'll be, that'll be a good game for both those two. And then the other one I have on Tuesday is Valley versus Centennial um, in the top, top 10 matchup there. And then Friday games, I have Davenport North versus Pleasant Valley for the girls. Um, that's one to keep an eye on, as well as Johnson and Dowling matchup at Dowling on Friday. Um, I believe Dowling's fourth, I think. So number one versus number four there. And then Saturday, this is, it's, it's awesome having four nights of games. But Saturday, North Polk uh, plays Solon on the girls' side. So that should be a, a really good battle. And then um, Iowa City, Regina uh, goes against Cascade Saturday as well. So I got a little slate of two, two, a, two a night there for you on the girls' side to kind of take a look at, um, paying attention, following along with how things are shaking out on the girls' side. And uh, Larson, what do you got? 
Well, just kind of two to close up. I, I, I stuck with one game. I, I thought this one would be hit a lot by other people. So I just want to make sure um, I don't, don't want, don't want coach Watson to, to stop listening to us. Um, the huge rematch of Northwest and Waukee is Friday night. Um, so it'll be back at Waukee in, you know, I think one thing that we should say is probably in that CIML this year, you could almost say every game those guys are playing are big games. They're just really great basketball programs, but you'd have to put Waukee and uh, Waukee Northwest at, towards the top of that. So huge game with two, you know, pro- I would say arguably two of, if not the two best players in the state right now. Yeah, that'll be, it feels like maybe got overlooked a little bit because everyone circled that one right away after the first matchup between those two teams. And so definitely fun to keep a keep an eye on on that one as well. And as well as, I mean, many other, we could, this would be a three hour podcast if we had to go over each and every game that we're excited to see, especially when they're playing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, we just have so many nights of games. It's it's hard to it's hard to touch on all of them. Um, but those are at least a few to keep an eye on and 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 see what happens. And then we can refresh and and take a look next week. But uh, we got a couple more segments we got to go over. Uh, Doug, who's uh who's your three A three A pick of the week? Who's gonna win state in three A right now? You know, I I'm, I've been looking at Marion again. And they are on a four-game win streak. Their only losses are to number one Bondurant, number one C.R. Kennedy, and Iowa City High, who's a 4A. But Bondurant had a huge win over Winterset on Friday, so I am going to stick with the Bondurant Blue Jays. Let's go. Ooh, look at that setup. I like that. Same with the Jays for another week. We'll see if that uh, see if that changes next week. Tom, what they do you got? For- be the number one Blue Jays, right? Chris Larson and Tom Betts in 3A. What's that? What's can, that? You re- can you reveal that? Number one Bondurant Blue Jays? Can we get that out of the way? <laughs> Aren't you guys on the 3A committee? They don't, they don't gonna make we the decision though, right? They just gonna oh, oh. provide support. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It'll be out by this time. So everybody yeah. will know. Yeah, so well, we're not going tell back us. on our word of solemnly swearing to silence. Oh, I state your name. Come on. <laughs> just tell us. Xavier lost twice this week. Bondurant slides up. The new, I'll just say it, the new number one in 3A, Bondurant Blue Jays. How about that? Allegedly. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. You'll know. You'll know when you're listening to this what the what the story is. Tom, what do you got? Shout out. Uh, we had we had one quick one earlier, but you got. I know you got something. You know. More. You know. I always look for shout outs, and I actually I changed my shout out during the show. Oh, good. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to put my original shout out on 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 the shelf, and I'm going to give a shout out since we have been talking about Carol Kemper a lot tonight. I'm going to give my shout out to Matt Detlinger. Uh, playing up at South Dakota State. I went up to the South Dakota State USD men's game last night in Vermilion. Uh, one of the uh, maybe quiet rivalries in the country that it's just, you know, it's a nasty rivalry. Uh, Dentlinger, a Kemper grad senior, maybe sixth or seventh year senior. He seems like he'd been there forever. Uh, he had 28 points, 10 boards to lead the Jackrabbits over the over the coyotes. So always good to see those Iowa boys going out and doing well. Uh, you know, we, we hear all about the, you know, the big timers at Iowa and all the other places, but we, we forget about these guys that went that mid-major route and uh, boy, he dominated the game. 
the Jackrabbits seem to keep an eye on too here. Yeah. See what see what they're able to do. And they're fun, fun to watch. So well, good. Love it. Um, Uncle Larson, what do you have for us? Uh, story time. What what uh, came up this week that made you just really want to bring it up on the pod and and get All everyone's right. opinion? So here's my take, and and I, I'm going to try and explain this as well as I can. Right with it with referees, and you know we we had kind of talked about this, and and you know one thing I hope, and, and I I just want to tell you I appreciate so many referees, not even necessarily the good referees. But the referees who understand their job is to manage the game and understand that it is a passionate game that people get excited about. Fans get crazy. Coaches get crazy. But I love the refs who can just kind of keep their cool. And we have so many of them who do it. And I just get worried that we're living in this world of confrontation. And so all you refs that are out there listening to this, just know, hey, the best job that you can do is to be non-confrontational and just manage that game and, and understand part of the beauty of basketball is the conflict. You know, it's bang, bang plays and half the gym's going to be mad at you and just don't worry about it. I, I don't know if I'm making sense on that, but I think on our little group text, we talked about a lot of just to be honest, poor officiating or calls that weren't made. And I think one of the big things is that happened all over the state. And no ref should expect to be perfect, but also understand in the spirit of the game that no one probably really hates you. And your demeanor back has such a big impact on how the game goes and how the game flows. That make any sense to anybody? Doug, you used to ref, and I feel like we always had that, that relationship where I know I drove you nuts sometimes. I disagreed with some of your calls sometimes. But we always had great respect because it, you just – you you kind of understood what we what 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 you were doing there, right? Yeah, I know you couldn't have said it better. I mean, I, I think um, when I got into it, I, one a mentor ref said to me, "Just call the obvious. Don't don't get yourself into the game. Um, just call the obvious and just let everything else take care of itself." So yeah, yeah I, I I couldn't agree with you. A lot of times refs do try to get too involved and they get heated and try to talk to the coaches and just try to stay out of the way um, and just call what's right in front of you. Well, it feels like sometimes as long as you're keep on both sides of the line here, as long as you're keeping it's for the kids perspective in mind, it feels like sometimes it can be make it about themselves. Right. Um, and that's, and that's where it can always kind of get hard. And, and then again just kind of maybe a t a sometimes a tough time reading the room I thought maybe this is where you were going to go to Larson but just maybe a little quick on some technicals too it feels like yeah, we're not letting where I'm saying. like in my perfect world we just get rid of technical fouls because sometimes I think it deal sometimes the technical fouls really because the ref has kind of lost his cool like right. if, if we're being honest uh, I, I actually would disagree with you I don't think we give enough tees Okay, I think well, I, I, I think as as officials, I watch every Tuesday and Friday night, and I watch these coaches go nuts on these refs, and I'm like, tee him up, bang him, get him, sit his butt down because he doesn't need to be talking to the refs like that. I, I honestly, we don't give enough tees. Um, it, it they let they they let coaches do too much talking and throwing their hands up and. But I think 
I don't know if refs get intimidated or just don't want to go there, but coaches shouldn't be yelling at officials across the floor. And I see it every Tuesday and every Friday. And I think if I went back to officiating, people would really hate me because I just start teeing people up left and right. I honestly, I feel that way. Doug, let me ask you a question. I was watching a Arkansas Vanderbilt game and they gave five technical fouls in the first half. Well, shut up, shut up. Just play basketball and coach your kids. Stop yelling at the refs. Yeah, but that's part of the game. That's a pass. It's always been part of the game. What yelling at refs? Uh, hey. I, I think that's been part of the game for a well, long. Guys, maybe in college, maybe in college it is, but in high school, what happened? This is what happens. If I've gone to thousands of games, if the coach, if the coach is up talking to the refs and yelling, what happens? Now the fans are up yelling at the refs and the fans are obnoxious. If the coach, Tom's raising his hand. It, and if the refs don't take care of it right away and they don't give the signal and they don't tell them to be quiet or, you know, easy or whack him right away, it's just, it just riles everybody up. First of all, a wise man named Jackie Moon once said, E-L-E, everybody love everybody. (laughs) Number two, Doug, as an official, did it it bother you as a coach if I would call you by your first name? Like, come on, Doug. Yes, probably, yes. Okay, all right. If uh, I would have a conversation, if I would be over by it and you'd go, Doug, come on. He obviously fouled him. Right. That's different. But if you yell across the floor and go, Doug, come on. He's following him. Yes. Woo, T, okay. sit down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That's the, only, not... the only thing, my, my, my final comment to you, Doug, you were one of the best communicators I knew as a rep. And I mean that. I'm not just saying that to, to go through that's i think you got to be careful because when you're out there claiming just do that to everybody not everybody communicates well and not everyone treats the the the, the mutual respect is not always there i agree the better you can communicate obviously the better you can communicate with coaches that's what you want you want to be able to have that dialogue with them but that can go too far and when a coach is screaming at you across the floor uh uh-uh don't put up with it. I've also seen you watch some of this stuff and be like, those are terrible calls. And so sitting on the other side of it, (laughs) I think, I think we both see each other's point a little bit. Yes. And there, there are some bad calls and there's bad calls in every game, but if the coach is going, if coach is yelling and screaming at you, just tee him up and get it over with. How, how do you think that the being able to stand you know that's what six seven years old maybe at the most now in, in the state of Iowa how big of a difference do you think that that has made Doug from officiating communication um trying to be like the college or NBA has changed uh with the Iowa game here I think it's made it better because you can actually communicate coaches can coach um and the refs can talk to the coaches and just stand right by them and talk to them instead of trying to talk to them while they're sitting. And I'm sure you guys would agree. It's, it's so much better when you can stand and coach. 
funny you bring it up though, Doug. You said it earlier too, and uh, you know Tom McDonald, uh, the commissioner of the Junior College Friends, is a good friend of mine, and he actually has told me the same thing you just said. Well, from college, because you know, like when I back when I used to be coached, and like, well, yeah, I'll take that kind of stuff from college coaches. But do you know how condescending that 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 sounds when you work both games and you come in? And you're like, I watched you coach one of my kids who I coached a couple years ago, and now you're going to kind of, our relationship has to be different just because I'm a high school coach and you're doing, you're doing a high school game, not a college game. Everybody has egos. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and there's, right. so you, we all know the refs that have egos and you can't say anything to them and they try to big time. I mean, they're. That's why we shouldn't have technicals because they can't control <laughs> <laughs> okay band uh, technicals you're right let's, let's, get rid of the, let's get rid of the block charge too <laughs> let's say that for next week let's say yeah. that for next week i would say we're too far in to, to go down that rabbit hole but uh guys i appreciate it i love all the insight and work that you guys did providing uh, some information for our listeners and everybody out there. We're looking forward to this week. We'll be following along. We wish all of you guys the best of luck that are listening. We appreciate you listening. If you could do us a huge favor and drop a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and then tell a friend about us. That's how this thing continues to grow and continues to, to get legs. And, and we were able to reach more people. And so we appreciate it as always. Shooters shoot.